0: Well, good morning. We are so glad that each of you have joined us, whether you're here in person or whether you're worshiping with us online. Thank you for being here today. For the last several weeks, we have been working our way through a sermon series on the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6. We've been talking about what prayer means and about what it does when we pray it together with our families, whether that's our biological family or our church family. First, we talked about living as families who worship Jesus and hallow his name. Next, we learned about families that serve King Jesus and live out his mission here on earth. Last week, we focused on humble families who receive and share God's goodness and grace. And today, we're going to wrap up this series by exploring how to live as wise families. In a way, we're continuing to explore something that we talked about last week our capacity to sin. Last week, we were bandaging wounds. We were asking God's forgiveness for sins that were already committed. This week, we're making sure we don't get hit again. We are asking for God's help in the future to live wisely and to avoid sin. See, handling temptation and sin is a major key to success in the Christian life. We face so many hidden and not so hidden threats. And so here, Jesus teaches us to pray for a deep wisdom that acknowledges that life is a spiritual battle and finds a safe pathway through the many temptations that we face. So today we look together at the last request in the prayer that Jesus taught in Matthew six thirteen, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Well, our family loves to go hiking and when we go hiking on a new trail that we've never done before we are always on the lookout for signs. We need to know which way to go, things to watch out for, and any cool sights that we may want to be on the lookout for on the way. Well, as we make our way through the end of the Lord's prayer today, we're going to be on the lookout for signs too. These signs help us to live wisely in the face of temptations. So the first sign that grabs our attention is a warning sign. It's telling us that there are some big, scary dangers ahead that we need to watch out for. Do you see them in verse 13? The first one is temptation. And then the second thing to watch out for is the evil one. So we see the warning signs. Now what do we do about it? Well, Tom Wright, who's a New Testament scholar, says that there's three possible wrong answers. And so we'll start with those. The first wrong answer is to stick your head in the sand. We pretend that evil doesn't exist or that it doesn't really matter. Well, the second wrong answer would be to wallow in it and to see evil all over the place. But if, we're to give, if we give the evil one credit for everything, we're giving him a place of dominance that he doesn't deserve. Well, the third wrong answer is self-righteousness. We know that there's evil out there. But we are the righteous ones who are doing battle against it. But we see in this Lord's Prayer petition that Jesus doesn't want us taking any of these positions. We can't ignore evil or obsess over it. Jesus wants us to recognize that evil is, kind of like the movie title, a very clear and present danger. It's certainly out there, but it's also active and present within each one of us. But so many times we get blindsided by it. We don't even see it coming. Now, there's this town in Egypt called El Alamein, And this town has beautiful potential. It's on this gorgeous location on the Mediterranean coast. It has really fertile soil. And it has highly significant oil and gas resources. And so over the last 10 years, Egypt's Ministry of International Cooperation has been sinking tons and tons of money into El Alamein to turn it into a luxury resort. But there was just one problem. It was infested with hidden explosives. El Alamein was the site of a key battle in World War II. And when one of the articles I read was written 10 years ago, it was estimated that in the area around El Alamein there were still over almost 2,000 square miles of hidden minefields remaining. So check out this diagram of one of the minefields of El Alamein. You can see there are these rows or belts of mines, and you can't get through without setting one of them off. There's tripwires, and there's shrapnel bombs, and then there's just these hidden... Uh, mines that are haphazardly just scattered throughout the fields. It's a scary, scary place, right? So during 10 days of battle at El Alamein, there were 43,000 casualties. But here's the interesting part. In the decades since then, the casualties have continued to pile up. From these unseen hazards that are in the minefields, thousands of Egyptians sadly have been maimed or killed in the decades following World War II, long after the war has ended. And El Alamein is a great picture of what life is like. It's beautiful. And yet there are hidden minds and real consequences. So praying this prayer gives us the warning signs. It reminds us that we're in the midst of a cosmic battle the evil one is plotting against God and against God's people. 1 Peter 5:8 says be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. We are under assault, facing a minefield of temptation. And just like the beautiful coast of El Alamein, the dangers won't be obvious at first. The tempter will deceive us by making it look good and beautiful. Think about when Jesus was tempted at the beginning of his ministry, just two chapters before this one in Matthew 4. The three things that the tempter offered Jesus were the power to make bread from stones, the glory of being lifted up by angels, and all the kingdoms of this world. Now these are all things that are fitting for King Jesus, And in the same way, most of the choices that we face every day are not going to be black and white choices between 100% good and 100% evil. Instead, the hidden minds are all those shades of gray in between that deceive us. Maybe it's something that's partially good, but we see it as an absolute good. Or maybe it's something evil that's disguised as something good. As Shakespeare said, lilies that fester smell far worse than weeds. It's a scary world out there, a minefield. And so we need the warning signs of this prayer to help us beware of the dangers. And yet, here's the good news, we are Easter people. We know that Jesus' death and resurrection has ensured that the ultimate victory over evil belongs to him. And so to us as well. And so in this prayer, Jesus calls on us to lean on him for wisdom and for help, as Wright says, so we can hold the line for another day. Well, now that we're watching out for the dangers of temptation and of the evil one, we want to avoid them, don't we? So we need a sign to show us the way. Now, I love this version of the exit sign. Usually I see it in airports, international airports when I'm traveling, And if you want to know how do I get out of here, this little guy says, follow me, I'll show you the way out. And Jesus makes that same offer to us with two specific prayers. The first is a prayer for direction. As we seek God's wisdom to get through the minefields of temptation and the evil one, the first thing we ask for is direction. Now, don't worry, man, I didn't say you have to ask for directions, plural. No, we need a lot more than someone just pointing out the right road to us after we've gotten lost. We need a shepherd who is going to lead us safely through the minefields. And so we pray, lead us not into temptation. Now, I've always found that sentence structure to be a little bit confusing. Have you? God is not the tempter. Let's look at James 1.13. It says, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. We had a cute story that illustrated this in our house a few weeks ago. We, our three daughters have birthdays all within five weeks of one another. So this spring, we've had one birthday party after another. And we got fully stocked up on icing and every shape and color of sprinkles that you could possibly imagine. Well, after all these birthday parties were over, one day I see my four-year-old son, Porter, emerging from the kitchen with both cheeks bulging. And he covered his hand over his mouth, but even that couldn't stop the load of sprinkles from coming out of his mouth. And I didn't say anything to him, I just gave him the look. How many of you have either given or gotten that look before? Yes. Well, he came and sat down by me and took forever. But when he finally finished chewing and swallowing the last of the sprinkles, Porter innocently asked, Why did God make me eat all of those sprinkles? (laughs) Well, you better believe I was quoting James 1.13 to him. God did not do that. (laughs) It is Satan who tempts us. And so, Satan is always trying to steer us into the mines. Proverbs fourteen twelve says, There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. If we trust our human instincts, if we go without God's wisdom in the way that appears to be right, we're going to get caught in the minefield. We won't even realize that we've been deceived until it's too late. And so Jesus is teaching us to pray that God would steer us away from those areas where we are spiritually vulnerable. Last weekend, Porter and I watched Pinocchio, or as he calls it, pinocchio And I'm sure many of you have seen this. The blue fairy helps Pinocchio to come to life. And then she assigns Jiminy Cricket to be his conscience. Well, that's a pretty tough job, as it turns out. And the first thing that Jiminy Cricket does is to warn Pinocchio about the dangers of temptation. We have a little clip here. Let's watch it happen. Now, you see, the world is full of temptations. Temptations? Yep, temptations. They're the wrong things that seem right at the time. But uh, even though the right things may seem wrong sometimes, uh, sometimes the the wrong things may be right at the wrong time or uh, vice versa. <clears throat> Understand? uh uh I think right after that, Jiminy Cricket goes. We feel that way sometimes, don't we? Well, how does this prayer for direction help? When we pray, lead us not into temptation. We are asking God for wisdom to recognize the dangers and to steer clear. You know, some computers have a virus scan that let us know when some harmful malware is present. In the same way, praying this prayer helps us to be aware of tempting thoughts that can lead to poor decisions so as you pray this prayer you might want to project out your day and to anticipate possible areas of temptation you may say Lord I know I'm going to hit traffic today help keep me from rash actions and unkind words God I bet I'll run into that difficult coworker today help me to be gracious and kind let me see this person through your eyes instead On my phone, I might be tempted by certain websites. Help me to put my phone down, Lord. In Matthew 26, 41, Jesus tells his disciples, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. This verse reminds me of a cute story I read about a little boy named Bobby. And Bobby so desperately wanted a new bike So his plan was to save all of his nickels and dimes and quarters until he finally had enough money for a new 10-speed. And each night, he asked God to help him to save his money. Kneeling beside his bed, he prayed, Dear Lord, please help me to save enough money for a new bike, and please, dear Lord, don't let the ice cream truck come down my street again tomorrow. (laughs) The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So Lord, lead us. Give us your direction. It's a prayer that we pray not just for ourselves, but also for those we love as well. Bring us safely through the minefield of temptation. You can pray it for your spouse. Lord, keep their eyes and their hearts set on you. Help my spouse to avoid the temptations of achievement and glory. You can pray it for your kids. Lord, lead my children to friends who love you too. Steer them away from uh, un, you know, un, unkind influences and help them to be a good influence on those around them. You can pray this for your grow group. Lord, help us to sh- honestly share with each other about the minefields of temptation that we're facing. Lead us safely through together as we hold each other accountable and we pray for one another. See, families that live wisely will pray for God's direction through the minefields of temptation that we face. Last week in our service, we sang that well-known hymn, Amazing Grace, and as I prepared for the sermon the last week, it was the third verse that kept ringing through my head. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, we have already come. Tis grace hath brought us safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. We can rely on God's grace to give us wisdom for the journey through the minefield, but Sometimes our plea for wisdom may come a little bit late. Maybe we didn't pray for God's direction before we entered the minefield. And like little Bobby, the ice cream truck came and the tinkly music and the beautiful pictures on the side of the truck just looked so good and beautiful and we already fell victim to the tempter. Or maybe we're in the midst of a hardship that could go either way. This could be something that strengthens our faith and our character or it could sink us. We know that our faith may not survive the onslaught. So now we need another exit sign in the second half of this prayer. And this time it's a prayer for deliverance. This prayer for deliverance begins by acknowledging that we can't stand up under the pressure. As Dallas Willard says, this is a vote of no confidence in our own abilities. The devil is too strong and we are too weak. We can't get ourselves out of this snare on our own, and so we pray, deliver us from the evil one. Now, one pastor pointed out that this prayer isn't keep us from evil. We aren't asking God to put a force field around us, like in the Incredibles. That, that would be pretty awesome though, right? So that spiritual danger is going to keep us away, at, keep away at a good distance. So God never promises that if we pray enough, bad things won't happen. See, the word deliver assumes trouble, doesn't it? We pray for a way out so that it won't do us in. I love how 1 Corinthians 10, 13 puts this. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. That is our prayer. Lord, help us find a way out deliver us this spring we walked through the old testament book of exodus together and one thing we learned that there are some situations that take a little longer deliverance can sometimes be a process god rescued the israelites from slavery in egypt but only after they'd been enslaved for 400 years they went through 10 plagues and a harrowing journey through the red sea with pharaoh's army close behind them See, God didn't keep them completely from evil. But when they couldn't take it anymore, God gave them a way out. And we see this in the New Testament, too. The Apostle Paul was possibly the greatest missionary of all time, but God didn't keep him from evil. See, the Apostle Paul was in chains when he wrote to the Philippians and said, I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers And the God's provision of the spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Paul isn't praying that nothing bad would happen to him. It already has. He prays that he won't be ashamed. He's asking that the hardships won't do him in. He's asking that what has happened to him will actually serve to advance the gospel rather than to derail it. And this is the prayer that Jesus prayed for his disciples before going to the cross in John 17. He says, My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. And so, as we pray this prayer of Jesus for our families, we also pray for protection from the evil one. When our marriage hits a rough patch, we pray for deliverance. We ask that God will bring us together rather than allow the evil one to drive a wedge between us. When our child is hurt, maybe by disappointment or unkindness, We ask that God would steer them away from the minefields of bitterness or revenge and lead them toward grace and forgiveness. When our brother or sister in Christ faces a crisis of faith, we ask God to steal them away from those mines of doubt and to place them firmly on the rock of their salvation. So we've covered verse 13. We've seen the danger signs of temptation and the evil one. We've followed the exit signs to pray for direction and deliverance. But if you've prayed the Lord's Prayer in church before, you know that we never end the prayer here with the evil one. There's always more. So this last sign is more like an exclamation point because now we come to the doxology. Now there's a word we don't use every day, right? Doxology is an old Greek word that literally means saying praise. And so it means to end a prayer or a song with giving glory and praise to God. So with the Lord's Prayer, we typically end by saying, For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now maybe you've wondered before, this phrase is not in Luke's prayer. Maybe in some of your translations it's included in a footnote. Many scholars believe that Jesus didn't actually speak these words, that they were added later. But at any rate, it's certainly consistent with the teachings of Jesus and is a beautiful way to conclude our prayer. Now, I see it as a final answer to the temptations that the devil offered to Jesus in Matthew 4. Remember, Jesus was offered all of the kingdoms of this world if he would just bow down to the evil one and worship him. Jesus was offered the power to turn stones into bread. And I think that certainly would have been temptation after 40 days of fasting in the wilderness. It must have looked appealing. And then Jesus was offered the glory of jumping off of the highest point in the temple and with a spectacular rescue by angels in each of these instances Jesus refused he had his eyes set on God the Father and on the mission that was laid out before him all the way to the cross when we close our prayer with this doxology we are finally giving Jesus the glory and uh, honor and power that has been due all along sorry we don't give him the power We're giving him what has been due to him all along. But it didn't come from the hands of the evil one. It came from the victory of the cross. So this doxology reminds us that even as we walk through the minefields today, victory is assured. Tis grace hath brought us safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. See, God is in charge. That's the kingdom. God is in control. That's the power. All of life exists to raise him up. That's the glory. And we will be able to enjoy his presence and love forever. Amen? Well, I want to close with one more story on this Memorial Day weekend, another story from World War II. In a prison camp on a cold, dark evening, after a series of beatings, after hundreds of prisoners of war had been marched before the camp commander and... uh, been berated for more than an hour the prisoners were returned to their dark barracks and told to remain quiet for the rest of the evening but someone somewhere in one of those barracks began to say the lord's prayer our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name well someone in the barracks next to him joined in the prayer with him: thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven Well, then people in the next barracks overheard them and joined in. And one by one, each set of barracks began to join in the prayer. And so petition by petition, their voices rang out. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And at last, as the prayer was ending, with thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. By now, hundreds of prisoners had joined their voices in a strong, growing, defiant prayer, reaching a thunderous amen. And when they finished the prayer, the camp fell silent. The prisoners had faced the dangers. They had prayed for wisdom to lean on God's direction and to depend on God's deliverance. And as their doxology rang out, they shouted their praise to the king who had already won the victory. So can we close by praying the Lord's Prayer together as well? Would you pray with me? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread.